Yes, I did warn uh, Dave that I'd be taking the microphone in hand. <laughs> All right. Could you bring up the first slide, Paul? Uh, not sure, sure whether this is working or not. Fine, thank you. Uh, just a little bit of background. Um, Andy was, in fact, going to do this service, but a uh, family situation has intervened, and he'd written out a, an outline of what we were going to talk about, gave it to me, and I then <laughs> um, had a, a very nice chat with him just over a week ago. I put my own thoughts into what he had, and he said, yeah, that's just what I want you to speak about. So if you enjoy and benefit from this particular uh, sermon, then thank Andy. <laughs> if you find it less helpful, then come and see me afterwards. <laughs> and it's about acts of service. We find, if you read in the scripture, that service is very much part of God's nature. If we were talking about a, per, uh, a human being instead of God, we would probably say it's part of his DNA. Really very much part of what he is. And of course the essence of what we believe about God is actually embodied in what we call the Trinity. I know that's a controversial thing and some people say this is totally wrong, but it's certainly what Christians believe and have done ever since um, the time of Jesus. And we see that in the fact that the Father sent the Son of Man, sent Jesus. And he sent him to be, uh, not to be served, but to serve. Did anybody uh, watch the coronation? Yeah, most of you did. Right at the start, a young chorister actually uh, welcomed the, the king and the king responded by saying, I come not to be served but to serve. And of course we'll be looking at a king in the years to come and saying, has he kept that promise? Certainly if we think about his mother, the queen, she certainly did. So but the aspect of being great God Almighty is seen out, not in us serving him, but in him serving us. And this not, doesn't just apply to the Son, to Jesus. It also applies to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll ask the Father and he will give another advocate, a Holy Spirit, to help you and to be with you forever. So through the Holy Spirit, we are being served by God. And that is the reason that he sent us, sent the Holy Spirit to us. And let's get this idea that in service, and as we look at God, we are actually getting involved with that. We are getting involved in God's work of service to humanity. And it's great that he is involving us. Sometimes you think it would be better if he just left it to himself. 
because we seem to mess things up. But actually, the thing that he wants to do, because it's a blessing for ourselves and for others, is to be involved in that service, together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. I don't know what idea you have when we talk about mission. Certainly, there are aspects of preaching the gospel, of sharing what God has done for us, sharing that uh, Jesus came to die for us and all that sort of thing. That's all part of it. But I want you to think a bit wider than that. A few years ago, people came up with the idea of Mission Day, which is uh, God ascending and God sending himself in the person of the Trinity, but also sending us as well. And that it's wider than just what I was speaking about. It includes service, and service is very much at his heart. Sorry. Sometimes we think that we can uh, uh, do the agenda better than Jesus can. We can decide what is more important, and we know better than that. We sometimes get things wrong about what being great is. And certainly that passage, which was read early, with the aspect of James and John and the mother getting the totally the wrong idea about what being great was. And that's why the reason she asks, can you make sure that James is on one side and John on the other when you come in the kingdom? like one of these uh, uh, kings who rule over people rather than ones who serve. And Jesus was, uh, said, you've got it wrong. And he challenged them. Are you willing to drink the cup that I will drink? And Jesus was talking about suffering. And they said, yes, we can. Not sure whether they realized what they were saying at that time. Certainly they realized later, because we know that James was one who was, uh, was um, executed for being a Christian. And John lived a, a longer life, but he had his own struggles and the own sacrifices that he made. But they said, yes, we can. And Jesus then commissioned them, just like he did all the other disciples, to serve in his service. And that's what commission is all about. It's all about uh, being sent by God to do his work and to work within his priorities as well. Sometimes his priorities are different from ours. But we mustn't listen to that. Sometimes he just wants us to serve in what seems to be a very mundane task in life. And not just to do that for a day or a week, but maybe years as well. And we sometimes think, oh, have you got this right, God? I'd rather be involved in this. But sometimes Jesus says, this is where I want you to be. And this is where we should be. And I think we're learning now as Christians and as the church 
that we really should be involved in serving uh, mankind, the humanity, whether it's in this country or overseas, but with a servant heart. And that is what our commission is all about. And the words that Jesus made, said to James and John, brought out the idea of sacrificial service. Remember the words? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The ultimate act of service is when we give our lives in that service. Something Jesus literally did by going to the cross and being crucified for us. And therefore we shouldn't expect that service is necessarily the easy thing to do. It can be our very lives. And that's the reason Jesus said to uh, James and John, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. So if Jesus is saying to us now, can, can you drink the cup I'm, that I'm going to drink? It's going to be difficult to say yes. I know. But it's something that we are called to do. And he'll be with us all the way. Loving service is very much part of it as well. Sometimes people serve out of a feeling of obligation. And it really has no effect. People say, oh, they're serving us, but um, there's no love in what they're doing. What Jesus wants us to do as we serve others is to show his love in action, just like he did in his life of service for the three years of ministry and dying on the cross. And in the way the disciples, in the Acts of the Apostles, and from then on, uh, served men and women in their needs, in their needs for a saviour. Paul said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Having been to a theology college, I always say, oh, you've got to look at the context of these passages. And yes, it is talking about serving in the fellowship of God's people. It's not uh, talking about serving wider. But I believe we can apply it to a wider realm. That our service is not just to those who are met today or even to other members of the church. Our service is to everybody we meet day by day. This would be very difficult if we didn't have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit says, where's everything else can guide us? Now, there was a time when Paul was doing his missionary journeys and he got a bit stuck. It says that he wanted to go into a certain place, but the Spirit of God wouldn't let him. So he was probably a bit devastated. What on earth am I doing here 
And what does God want me to do? And Becky, would you like to tell us what all that was about? <laughs> Okay, so this is a reading from Acts 16, um, starting at verse 6. Apologise if I don't pronounce the places correctly. <laughs> Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and, and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Come over here and help us, was what the man from Macedonia said. I've read that many times, but in the last couple of weeks when I've read it through, preparing for today, I suddenly realized that I maybe got the wrong idea. What I think that Luke, who wrote the Acts of the Apostles, is saying is that there are already people in Macedonia who were seeking to present the word of God to the people there. And they were struggling, and they needed somebody to help them. And Paul, of course, had experience of preaching the word in various parts of what is now Turkey. So I think they actually started praying for somebody to help them. And I believe that this was all what the vision, because the man from Macedonia that Paul saw in the vision was saying, come over and help us. So this, I believe, was a call for Paul to go with the Christians there. And interestingly, this is one of the few passages in parts of the Acts of the Apostles where we find the word we. And that indicates that Luke, who was the author of Acts, actually joined Paul and went into Macedonia with him. So it was corporate. It was Christians, not just poor, but others, going and serving God in Macedonia. Now, I haven't had a vision like Paul in so far as I haven't suddenly been asleep and the man in white has come up and said, come and help us. But I find as I serve the Lord occasionally, he does direct my steps. When I go and do chaplaincy, I basically have two prayers. One is, Lord, direct my steps. And the other is, Lord, direct what I say. And I find, surprisingly, 
I say surprisingly that God does both. Because I can be quite resistant to things. That is the garage where I have been a chaplain for, it's getting on for 10 years now. It's called Birmingham Central. It's in Liverpool Street, which is just off of Digbeth. I've been in there going into the mess room for a long time now, 10 years, as I say. Thursday before last, I went in. I went into the training office, and people were very busy there. And then there were a whole pe- a lot of people mingling in the mess room itself. Nobody w- really wanted to talk. I went and spoke to some of the engineers um, because they happened to gather in a certain place. Slight conversations, but nobody really wanted to talk. I went upstairs to where the canteen is. Nobody really wanted to talk. And I was just thinking, well, I planned to go to Waycott's Green, which is another garage anyway, so I'll go and catch the bus straight away. As I was leaving, I got this sense that I had to go back to the mess room. I thought, why? There's nobody who wants to talk to me. Why should I go back to the mess room? I thought, firstly, I thought, well, maybe God is saying something, so I better behave it. And the other thing was cowardice. Even if I I go back there and nobody wants to talk, well, I haven't lost anything, lost face or anything like that. And the two of them were there. I'm afraid I have to admit the second. But I went back in. And there was a guy who was sitting on one of the couches. And I sat next to him. And he told me all about um, his career. He's actually uh, as an engineer. And he got to uh, the ripe old age of 66. And was actually just part-time there, coming in three days a week, as well as five days a week. And he was talking about, you know, I'm not sure um, after doing this for a year, which is my commitment, whether I'm going to continue or not. And he was asking what I felt about it, what advice I could give him from my experience of 10 years retirement. (laughs) It's a good conversation. Didn't necessarily bring too much of the spirit into it. And then I found another person whose family had come from Jamaica um, quite a number of years ago. I knew him a, a little bit better and started speaking to him. And he started talking about the fact that money is so important and started talking about Christians like these American evangelists who had vast amounts of money. So we started talking about that as well. And uh, I said, oh, we've just appointed Pastor Andy and we're not paying him loads of money. Andy, you're probably going to listen to this on the tape. Please don't send a posse from Abraham just because we said that. <laughs> and you know, so I said, what about all these rich churches? And I said, well, <laughs> if you speak to our treasurer, you, you will understand that we're not that rich. We sort of just find it difficult to uh, make ends meet. Anyway, 
we did start a talking, and he then and then he did say that he had actually uh, been impressed by Christians and the way that they serve and everything like that. And said also about his own father, who's now back in Jamaica, who's returned there, and had gone for a number of years um, without going to church at all. But now back in Jamaica, he's actually found a good fellowship. That particular driver is not worshipping uh, in, in church at the moment. But I just hope that the conversation I had him, with him would actually lead him to uh, resuming his Christian walk. So that was two. So God seemed to be speaking with that. Then I went out, standing just on the uh, left of the picture, and there was a group of people who gathered. Now, if I'd have gone straight away, they, were, they weren't there. But uh, having gone back, they'd actually gathered. And uh, I recognized one person as a female bus driver, a, a very strong Christian. She has a, a fantastic testimony. She was in stage four of cancer, which is pretty desperate, to be frank. But through treatment that she's had, including neutron beam therapy. She was told a few uh, months ago that she was clear. And how much, you know, she not only, of course, put that down to medicine, which is good, but also to the Lord. And I had a chat with her and about her own illness. And she said, I'm being very, feeling very well. And he said, oh, what does this mean? She said, it's all right. I've been, I've been told that it's not return of the cancer. It's fine. It's just a, a general illness. And she was talking about this with a, a group of people as well, including myself. So I started to realize that it, it was God that had said, go back to the mess room. Even though my inclination was to clear off as much as possible. I wonder how many testimonies you have uh, yourself of God speaking to you. I hope you have. Now, sometimes people think about service. They think about Andy. They think about the VOT. They think about those who teach in Sunday school. They think about maybe those in hospitals, etc. And very often, they think, well, this isn't me. I just do a normal job, they might think, day by day. Or I'm retired and I just speak to people in shops and places like that. Is this really service? Is this what really what God has called me to do? I'm now going to show a video, which in fact we use in our chapter training, which demonstrates that service is not just for the pastors and the Sunday school teachers, but it's for everyone. So I hope you enjoy looking at it. I'll get other things, and I've seen it several times because as I say it's part of our chapter's training I don't want to be seen doing shoddy work as a Christian I believe that my work is a high calling the idea also that I want to say the neighbourhood rather than have buildings which are just falling down and eyesore and which have an effect on that neighbourhood she wants to go in and not tear everything down and start again, but actually work on those. And she looked on it as a way of serving God.
So I wonder how that relates to your daily lives. Whether maybe that video has helped you see things in a different context. Or maybe something that's been said today will do so. Our acts of service, what's all that about? I'm now going to ask you to do a few things. Because I've been speaking quite sufficient. Firstly, divide into groups of about four. I'm not worried whether it's three or five, but somewhere around then. And talk to each other. Examples that you have been able to give loving service to others and which have called blessing both to yourself and to the people you've been serving. So talk about those sort of things and uh, with each other and make sure that everybody in the group has an opportunity to contribute. Then maybe talk about the more difficult things, where it's still service, but it's been challenging. Maybe you've drawn a lot of criticism, and maybe that criticism has not been deserved. Maybe talk about those, a bit more difficult, I know. And the third thing, how did these open our eyes to who and where Jesus is? How did this display Jesus in all this. Now, afterwards, Kate is going to go around with a roaming microphone. <laughs> Frightening. <laughs> if there's a story there, and you hear somebody tell a story, that would be good for us all to hear about. Tell them that, and so when Kate comes around, she won't be looking around and no, nobody's going to put up their hand. She'll have actually somebody to speak to. Right, how, how long can we be doing this, um, Becky and Kate? About 10 minutes or so? Is that right? Would that be okay with the Sunday Club and everything like that? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Um, morning, everyone. I'm Charlie, if you don't know me. I have been. Um, you guys will be paying me afterwards <laughs> to do this. So, um, mine is about work and give, having the potential to speak about God at work, and I do it all the time. And I was saying that uh, my colleagues will come up to me and say, oh, Charlie, you know, you're always happy. Can we have a conversation? And I'm like, no, you need to leave. And they just sit down and start talking. And I thought, okay, well, that worked. But, um, and it's about trying to say that I'm there for a reason. And they will sit down and say that we were really struggling. We're really struggling with our mental health. And I'll say, pull up a chair and they'll talk. So we were just talking about a presentation I had to do. We, we, um, I work in engineering, so we're, we're doing vehicle launches. And, um, <laughs> it, you know, God is really funny. I'm in charge of lighting and harmony. Anybody who knows me knows it's completely opposite to my personality. But um, what I, I prayed about it, and I I'd sat and worked through it with my husband, and I said, I'm going to... So we have this thing called the creator's code, which I'm really opposed to, the, the presumption that we are creators. Um, so I put up a presentation and I put on it how the real creator does lighting. And I had slides of the heavens at night. I did the sunrise, midday, sunset. And they came in and it's like a power wall. So imagine that whole wall. Um, uh, the presentation and these are like hardened 
you know, designers, engineers, and they looked at it, and they were like, that's amazing. And what I was saying is, when the creator does lighting, there's no environmental impact. It works, first of all, and we are marveled by it. So they, they didn't want to leave the room either, which was another issue, I forgot to say. I was like, can you please get out? And they were just looking at it, and it, it's a reminder that this is why I'm here. So that's my two pennies worth. Um, mine isn't as glamorous as that story. Um, no, mine is just with my neighbour. Um, so every year, I'm sort of getting more into gardening. We had a lot of plums, and always more than I can eat. The children will have one, and there's about 500, and I'm like left with 458 or 98. So, um, so I felt like God was telling me to give it to one of my neighbours. Now, my relationship with my most of my neighbours is I'm a bit like, if you remember that programme, um, Keeping Up Appearances, Hyacinth. Hyacinth will be out watering her plants, so I'm a bit like that, watering my plants as my neighbours come. Oh, she's out, go back inside. Or, you know, you hear the car screeching further. So I'm not sure what that's about with one of them. But anyway, God was saying, no, 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 you need to give this punny of plums to the neighbour. So I, I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this because, you know, he always runs in the house when I'm on the garden. So um, I gave him the plums. He sort of took a bit of a while to come to the door, didn't quite look himself and sort of left them. And then a few days later, he'd come to me and sort of said, oh, those plums were amazing. Um, I'm sorry it wasn't very well that day. I was having a really hard time and I'm on this new medication and I'm, I wasn't feeling well and I was just sort of giving up all hope. And then you knocked the door and you gave me these plums. Um, I'm so grateful. So I was like, Ooh, okay. But that was like a good two or three days of God saying, you know, feeling like God's telling me to do something, not really getting the verification when I'd done it. But, um, but yeah, it did. It was what he needed at that time because he was really low. So he's a widower. Um, he's got grown-up kids that see him occasionally and he was just really having a low point and maybe I, at that moment, and then obviously taste and see that the Lord is good. He was, every time he tasted a plum, he was like, oh, this is, they are very nice plums. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's that. So um, I spend a lot of time with families who are outside of the church down in Sussex. And I think what I felt with service is very much about being um, interruptible and just being there. And I think that service, we often think, oh, what can I do? But actually, I think it's also about what, how can I be, which is, I loved all your chaplaincy stuff. Um, just building that relationship, um, being ready to be interruptible. Or I, I used an example of that happened at one point when you I took someone for a lift to an appointment and their child chucked up in my car. And then they decided on the way home that they'd feed their child. And so it was pretty miserable at the end. But services asking myself the question will I give them another lift can we be interruptible in our comfortable lives just one example didn't actually share this in my group but I'll share it anyway to bring it very close to home people will know that last year my dad was really really unwell for most of the year and spent much of it in hospital um, my two brothers neither of them are Christians and faith is a no-go area for conversation 
Um, and, and they also they were pretty hands-off with what's happening with my dad. I think they would have run for the hills given half a chance. They're, they're more local than I am. And I had a chance conversation with Beth, and if you remember it out in the field there, where she was just saying about how easy it is for that to divide families and how that can really cause harm. And I thought, and I went away from that, and I really felt God was saying, doesn't matter what happens, don't be bitter, don't complain, don't try and say, well, I'm doing all of this, you know, what, what are you doing? Um, and it really played dividends, you know, it really turned things around, and suddenly, actually, I can talk faith with my brothers now, and they are really pulling their weight, and, and the, in a diff- all of us, three of us, in different ways, are really, my, my dad died, and my mum's on her own now, but everyone's pulling their weight, and I'm so grateful for that conversation that just sort of was absolutely key at that time. Um, a few months ago, uh, there was a conversation about having a book of our stories and our experience at Alton. I feel from what we said today, even though there's just been three or four, there are loads and loads of stories of how God has been working in our lives. And it'd be good if we could actually move forward with this idea of having a book. So uh, let's see how things progress. So thanks very much for taking part in that, and I'll leave the service back to Kate.